Just a quick note to say that if this episode ever sounds a bit technically dodgy, for example, like it's perhaps been recorded remotely during lockdown, well, it has been. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Comics Books. I'm Lucy Dancer and for many years I've worked as a producer alongside a number of excellent comedians. I'm also a book obsessive who's always asking friends and strangers alike what they're reading. So, I thought I'd bring my two passions together and find out what do funny people read. I am so excited to welcome today's fantastic guest. He's one of my favourite artists. He's a rapper, comedian, actor, writer, radio presenter, voiceover. He does a lot of stuff. He started his music career touring with DJ Mark Ronson, and more recently, you might have seen him in a variety of TV and film roles, including David Brent Life on the Road, Law and Order, and Miranda. Or you might have caught his comedy on Live at the Apollo in Russell Howard's Good News. It's Ben Smith. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How have you? Uh, how have you been finding this elongated lockdown period? Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it a little bit too much. I, oh, yeah? I'm one of those, yeah, I'm one of those people that's fearful about the world returning to the way it was before. So oh, I'm, I'm, I, if I'm looking forward to anything, it is whatever the new normal or abnormal is going to be. Um, mm. I really, as a Londoner, I just sort of really <clears throat> started to enjoy how everything slowed down and how it felt mm. like living in a massive village. So I kind, I'm kind of fearful as a you know a pretty reclusive person anyway i'm kind of fearful of the world <laughs> returning to the madness that it was before so we'll see what happens um what have you been working and stuff i have that is the other thing i've been i've actually been working my ass off so i've been very fortunate uh you know with a lot of, of voice work um that can be done remotely but uh, i've also been screenwriting uh development in tv and film hasn't stopped if anything it's got a bit more intense because now producers and commissioners are actually reading shit rather than pretending to read it um <laughs> but the uh, main thing is i've uh i'm, I'm 50,000 words into a novel of my own so um yeah it's, uh, it comes out on bloomsbury in april next year that's exciting Do you, mm. can we have any kind of tips about what it's about uh, only that it's uh, for for uh, young adults, old, older mm-hmm. older kids, um, and it's uh, out and out um, comedy with with heart. Oh, it's, it's kind of yeah, it's it's kind of like your uh, your classic fun for all the family movie in a book. <laughs> perfect. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I have read I read one of your uh, I don't know what you call it a book. Uh, I am bear. Okay, yeah, I mean, that stuff's for, like, toddlers. That's oh, no, a no, I... whole different world. <laughs> you know, we I mean... Could, I... We, could talk about, we could talk about the ins and outs and the the, uh, <laughs> the, the themes and, and the theology <laughs> I slipped into there for the next hour, those 32 pages. You know what? I feel like that's a podcast all of its own. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> have you been doing lots of reading in lockdown? Or are you working too hard? Yeah, yeah, I, have, I haven't been reading nearly enough fiction. Um, I... I think I finished a thriller just before lockdown and then I started on this huge like 900 page study of the business of hip hop um from the the 70s up until now it's an absolute beast so I finished that a couple of weeks ago and have moved on to to sapiens um which everybody's read um, I haven't read it on my bookshelf but uh I hear it's amazing 
it is it it's one of those books that is like it's a bit like a a, a drunk guy in, in in a bar who is <laughs> like hankering for a fight it's 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 that kind of book it's it's super provocative he's poking you in the chest going uh, uh, what do you think of this yeah i bet you thought i bet you thought this before you idiot no it's like that <laughs> but it's um it's not accidental he's um yeah. he's really trying to make you hold up a mirror and go what am i what's my true history and what can I feel proud of? So it's pretty provocative. <laughs> I am, isn't it? Because I think when you see a non-fiction book that's that thick, I think people worry it might be a bit dry. You know, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So you've got to do something with it, right? I mean, yeah. the, the hip hop one was easy because I had so much base knowledge of mm. the uh, of of the subject, you know. But also, I think I think there's an element of human beings wherein we're not hunter-gatherers anymore and I think without hunter-gathering now a lot of us we just sort of hunt hunt and gather facts instead <laughs> so you know I think that's why I go through these non-fiction phases it's like I, 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 I'm fiending for some new knowledge instead of you know a fresh antelope <laughs> that's such a perfect way of putting it Do you know I, I always used to just love fiction because it was an escape from the world I, oh, never same, thought, same. I never thought about sort of exploring the world further and then my sister did a science degree and started me reading books sort of about neuroscience and I it just blew my mind I just thought oh there is so much we don't know about just about ourselves but isn't it interesting that the writing is still key like the quality of writing is still absolutely key so you could have written that 900 page book about the business of hip-hop but if if you had a dry purely factual tone no opinion uh, a, a lack of uh, respect for your interviewees and whatnot, it would just be a slog, such a slog to get through. So, you know, you've still got to have that deft touch, um, that eye, that ear for dialogue, even, mm. you know, if you're if you're interviewing people, just picking the best bits and, and weaving them into your own uh, uh, conclusions and, and setups and whatnot. Actually, I think you just put your finger on it. I think I always assumed that it wouldn't be about the writing. Yeah, and, uh, and, then, really and then I think the first one I read was, um, have you read Moonwalking with Einstein? No. It's a, a book about this a science journalist who went to learn about the memory championships. And he was just doing a short article for American Scientist. And he said, oh, well, obviously, you've got to have a special brain to be able to, you know, remember so many things for the memory championships. And they said, no, anyone can do it. And he wrote this entire book about his attempt to become a memory champion. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, but it but it was like a thriller you know it had such an well there, there you go there you go and there's there's I think the reason this Sapiens book's been so successful is it does it reads a bit like a thriller like an epic thriller because um, there's you know tons of murder and blood and guts and violence and and jealousy and and of course all these huge questions the biggest questions that we have similarly I, I read a book as research for my novel there's a, the, a a large chunk of my book is about etymology and, mm. and 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 words and and the power of them especially amongst you know young people and teenagers i read a book by a guy called mark forsyth called the uh etymology etymologicon um mm. which is like this circular study of the origins of words and it is an absolute riot like you were saying about that einstein book being like a thriller mm. this 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 book on etymology by forsyth is like a laugh out loud comedy i mean it's brilliant he'll, he'll just link all these different words that sound similar but have different origins and 
oh, it's 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 fascinating if you're a geek with words like I am, but also um, just laugh out loud funny. Did you always read a lot? I mean, are your family readers? Uh, you know what? My 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 mum became a big reader later in her life, but me and me and Zadie and my younger brother Luke, yeah, we were we were encouraged massively to read just off the strength of you know bedtime stories mm. to begin with how much we enjoyed those but Zadie was like um she was just an animal with books she just devoured them at a pace that was freakish you know by the time she was seven or eight we knew that she was not normal she wasn't like a normal child because she was yeah. reading like huge books like little women and devouring these books in days and then hours you know she could speed read at a really early age and then she was you know attempting to write her own novel uh, by age 12 when we got her a typewriter so you know we knew she was a weirdo um but that in i basically got her hand-me-downs you know so the usual stuff that you'd read at, at seven or eight i was i was into to dahl and stuff like that but i what really got me into reading was all her judy blooms she uh-huh. she threw all her judy blooms at me and i thought they were just girl books you know mm-hmm. i think that was all because of uh I kept seeing this one cover in her room that said, are, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, which just mm-hmm. always annoyed me as a, as a title. I thought, <laughs> oh, God, that's some like girly book with girls moaning about being girls. <laughs> and it's, look, it's written by a girl as well. And I was like, oh, no interest. Oh, uh, and I picked up Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. That was the first one. And I was just, I, 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 I'd never read a book that fast. I was like, I, I loved it. And the, the kid was my age, you know, and... He had this annoying little brother and I just could relate to everything. And and it was set in New York, which seemed really romantic to me. Mm. So I, I just started reading all of those. And, and um, I don't think I've ever been without a book since. So this was the maybe the first time that I have not read a single book on someone's list. You've got a treat coming your way because there's right. well, letters on here. Don't worry. I've read two. I've read two. Okay. Before, wow. Yeah. Well done. So... Let's start with Fox 8, which was the extra one you added. And I'm so glad you did. Yeah, I felt like I needed a children's book on there. And I mean, children's book kind of undersells Fox 8 by George yeah. Saunders. It's it's a remarkable, special, almost religious experience of a book. In fact, that is the link to a lot of the books on my list. They're, they're, they're sort of, they put me in a whole other space, like a religious mm. experience might. And F- Fox 8 is... <laughs> It's the story of of a fox, not fox number eight of of his little clan, um, and he's it's from his point of view. So it's a first person story of a of a fox. <laughs> and simple as that sounds, and sounds, and Doctor Zeusy as it sounds, it's actually this meandering ponder on existence and life, the world, the environment. And everything, what it means to to be alive, like it's 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 the it's probably the most profound children's book I've ever read. Yeah, I wasn't even sure it was a kids' book, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it's like it it works for kids. My kids loved it, but mm. it's it's uh, it's a kids' book, like I guess Stand by Me is a kids' film. <laughs> yeah, <know>? okay. <laughs> my yeah. kids love Stand by Me, but it also has you know a dead body. It's based on a book called The Body by Stephen King. You know, mm. so yeah, it's. It's not strictly speaking a kid's book, but if you've got intelligent kids and you want them to continue being intelligent, I couldn't recommend Fox 8 higher. But what did you think? Oh, my 
I mean, I cried. I cried. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? And I didn't see it coming, you know, with the with the funny spelling and the little little jokes about what he sees through the window and the kind of tongue in cheek musings on what humans are doing from from a boxer's <laughs> point of view. It, it, that's a really good point. The, the humor I should have should have mentioned. It is really really funny, and he apologizes the fox at the start for his his poor writing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's littered with spe- with purposeful spelling mistakes, which really it makes it really endearing and really charming. And then, like you say, there's this emotional gut punch that, uh, yeah, it could bring a tear to the eye. And that's that's the power of reading and writing. It, it will change the course of your day. I think, yeah, I think you're right as well. I think, you know, it'll be lovely for kids. But I think, you know, I could give it to my grandma and it mm. would probably have the same impact on her as it would on like a 10 year old. Yeah, I'd, that's a good shout. I'd say if anyone's struggling for gift ideas, it's it, mm. it's such a nice little package. It's 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 small, a little hardback, and lovely cover, and it's a lovely little gift. And and it is testament to the genius of George Saunders because, like you say, there's this tricksy simplicity to it, and then wham, it's one of the most profound, complex things you've read all year, all of a sudden, and that you have to say is is great writing when did you read it about a year ago uh i just moved house and there's a lot of turmoil and um my sister said just stop what you're doing and read this book and then make sure everyone in your family reads it and i was like oh you know when zadie says read something is for me as such a slow reader i'm gonna be like okay i'll get back to you in like six weeks with my with my opinion and then uh, you know, she gave me the copy and I just sat and, and read it in one sitting. And then I literally did. I said, everybody put the boxes down, read this book, get a cup of tea, get a drink, just read this. And then we'll get back to, you know, unpacking and all the madness. And every everybody in my family is a, is a Fox 8 convert. Oh. So the other book I read from your list was okay. French Exit. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. But again, kind of, you know, thought-provoking at the end. Yeah, all, all the books on this list are. Um, French Exit by the incredible Patrick DeWitt, who's one of my favourite authors. But French Exit is, I'd say, on the surface, it's a comedy about uh, a, an old lady who, after a, a tragedy, decides to just totally switch her life and move from her sort of socialite upper class life in Manhattan to uh, a, a sort of strange artistic existence in Paris. It's basically an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's she is like a female Larry David mm. who's just gone. Well, you know what? I'm old now. Death's around the corner. So fuck everybody. <laughs> and she's just so rude and hilarious. So I love I love the way that nothing nothing on earth is more offensive to her than someone being boring or saying something tedious <laughs> <laughs> she's like if, if you if you've got small talk for her she's just so disgusted she doesn't care about making something super awkward that either does no. she <laughs> no it's beautiful um i mean the, the what she calls I mean, she's got this sort of long-suffering son who's a he's a bit of a dick anyway but yeah. um <laughs> what she calls the the woman he has a dalliance with in the, in the ship is one of the f- most laugh out loud lines I think I've ever read. I won't spoil it for those who are going to read it. Again, this is quite a short read, so I'd, I'd recommend it for anybody who 
doesn't want to get you know too bogged down in anything yeah it felt like something you could sit outside in the sun with and yeah and it felt for most of it it felt very easy i mean it does become darker and it yeah does and quite sad and sad so there were people that I thought about it for at the beginning of reading and by the end I thought hmm maybe they'll they really would have been in it for the kind of period drama-esque but, yeah um I, but yeah I bought a copy I bought a copy for my sister and, and I gave my copy to to my wife and uh, I've recommended it to a few people but I, I've I had to say I've had to add a caveat every time I've lent it out or given it as a gift and I was, I've had to say there is a moment with no spoilers where you might just balk and go, well, that's fucking ridiculous. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> but just, just, bear, just bear with it. Bear with I know it. Exactly. I mean, there, there is a moment in this book. There is a moment in this book that <laughs> you've got every right of just walking away because it makes no sense. But that is the beauty of Dewitt for me. Like his his confidence in going, yeah. like i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this in there and you know if if you're riding with me you'll ride with me you know like for me i i was just like you know what i have no problem with that it's absolutely batshit mental to put that in there (laughs) but i'm gonna roll with it i'm fine and i think that's an achievement as well you put that perfectly i had no i had no idea how to mention that without you know (laughs) ruining him that was and what is it's like two-thirds of the way in or three quarters of the way through the book do you I mean, mean so you're, yeah 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 they're well in you're totally fine with everything that's happening and then <laughs> this thing happens and you're like okay right okay it does cool. make sense of a lot of stuff that i thought was was weird writing earlier on yeah yeah, yeah. there's a kookiness to it isn't there that's uh it's quite endearing yeah it's really nice it's really really nice um you had a real range of stuff that you read. You didn't. You didn't yeah, really yeah. have a, a genre or a type. Nah, nah. I mean, I, I, I love a. My holiday book is probably like a thriller, like a lot of people. I, yeah. I, I, I like a, a, a big dumb, who, who done it or a thriller. But those aren't the books that really move me. They just sort of get me. They get me through the day, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, if if you're in a nightclub, you probably will just have a, a crap rum with Coca Cola that comes out of the tap mm. and, and enjoy it with ice and a, a slice of lemon. Yeah. But if it's up to you, you're gonna have a really good cocktail, like a, like a Negroni in the sun with like a prop, some ang- Angostura bitters and a mm. and a, a twist of orange zest. You know, if you can. It's um, too early for this cocktail chat. <laughs> So the, really, the books that stay with me are, are the ones that really, really move me and s- surprise me, not in the way of a whodunit, oh my God, I can't believe it was them, not in terms of plot, in terms of, in terms of character, in terms of concepts, in terms of philosophies, in terms of theory and, you know, something that, something that smacks of the, the human condition. And that's all the books on my list mm-hmm. have... A, a huge something huge to say about the human condition uh, and, and what it is to be human you know French exit has it, it, it French exit you know probably the underlying thing in there is what do we do what how do we analyze our lives when death is imminent you know mm. um, Fox 8 as we've already discussed you know it's got uh, there, there's a 
profound question about life, the universe and everything, which brings us quite nicely to um, the other three. Uh, Train Dreams is a very short novella by a guy called Dennis Johnson. And it is, reading it is a transcendent experience. It's it's about a young guy in the early days of, of America. So uh, specifically the, the, the time when they're laying down railway. Um, he's a laborer. And he lives this isolated experience, uh, existence. And it's really the musings of somebody... I think what's fascinating about it is the musings of somebody most of us won't come into contact with mm. ever, you know? So in that, in that same way that sometimes you put yourself out of your comfort zone and you meet someone that normally wouldn't be in your circle. And I think that's one of the beautiful things a, a, a great character study can do mm. in a book. And what, what, what Johnson has done with, with Train Dreams is created this sort of tragic and kind of surreal story about a man that, that you'll never meet. Um, but the simplicity of the man's language and, and the, the surface simplicity of his experiences being isolated, you really relate to what's human in him. It's a like I say, it's a very short book. So I don't I don't want to give too much away. But the 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 backdrop also, if you're interested, is like pure Americana. You know that that feeling of the what you know the most powerful country in the world, um, in its infancy, those important days of working out what it is to even be an American, mm. um, because you know. Not only is this man a very young man, America is a very young character in the book as well. In short, it's it's a journey within the mind, and then obviously it's a journey within the the the, the soul of a man and and the young a young man and the the young soul of of America as well, and how the two are sort of intrinsically linked. Um, I can't remember. I think it was another Zadie recommendation, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> In fact, I'm certain it was. She seems like the font of all great book recommendations. I mean, she she could she can go on for for not days but years about books, and I, I have to say I can't keep up with the recommendations that she has, and a lot of the stuff she reads is just too complex for me sometimes, you know. Oh. So, um, this is one from her that I think, uh, similar to Dewitt, you'd be surprised how accessible it is. Mm-hmm. And yet, just how beautifully profound it is! It's accessible like Dewitt, but it's profound like Saunders, you know. And it is for me one of the most underrated books of of the twentieth century. Tell me about uh, Prior Convictions. Well, Prior Convictions is for for someone like me, for an agnostic, it's it's the closest I've ever come to having a Bible, you know. Um, mm-hmm. This book's been with me for longer than any of the other books on my list. I've been reading it and rereading it since, I don't know, probably since I was at university, maybe even before that. Mm. Um, It's an autobiography. Mm. I like autobiographies because even when they're bullshitting you, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why are you choosing to say these things about yourself? Um, Prior Convictions is the autobiography of Richard Pryor. Um, for me, the undisputed greatest comedian who's ever lived, but also probably one of the most troubled 
comedians who ever ever lived mm. the reason i say it's like a bible is it's like how not to live your life you know he, he he's constantly showing you with no pride no desire to hide the mistakes he's made or the people that he's hurt he's just saying look this is what happened and i must be a fucking psychopath i don't know and the 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 raw brutal honesty of it makes you realize he's not a psychopath he's not even a sociopath he's actually a incredibly sensitive tra traumatized child you know yeah uh, he's a, a a storyteller second to none i don't mean that in terms of writing he's mm -hmm. not he's not you know he's not dennis johnson he's not george saunders he's a joke writer but he's a greater storyteller than any of those because you know I know novelists and one thing they can't do is sit or stand in front of actual human beings and tell stories. <laughs> they can't do it. <laughs> they, they, they'd rather be locked away in a, in a dungeon um, explaining it to you in black and white. Yeah. Whereas, of course, Richard was somebody who lived for those moments, lived for the, the, the opportunity to have a large number of people in a space so he could say guess what the fuck just happened to me you're not gonna believe this mm. it's the most honest thing i think i've ever read by anybody you know there's just no hiding at all it's absolutely riveting and even as i'm talking about it i think i'm i'm, I'm gonna have to reread it again <laughs> it, i it became something that uh i was known for for a while as as a young man because it went out of print for years yeah. And so I was the only one who had a copy uh, in, in any sort of uh, large radius. And I lent it to everybody I could and, and kept tabs on it. One time I got it back and it had three tiny holes, like pinpricks, <laughs> going through about 70 or 80 pages. What? I, just, I was like, how has that happened? <laughs> so it's, I've still got the copy somewhere. I don't know. It's absolutely battered and dogged. And everybody that's read it has just gone, wow. Um, but yeah, in short, prior convictions will make you, if you didn't already love love the man, I mean, and just feel for him and want to nurture him and give him the love that he was so so brutally taken away from him as a child, you know. And if you're missing love as a child, the danger of what you can become in your adult life is very, very real. Um, some people become homicidal maniacs. Mm. Some people become drug addicts, alcoholics, and some become comedians yes. and performers <laughs> or artists because it's just this search for something that is missing, this void, you know, and the void is, is one of love and it's all he was ever searching for and there's something so uniting in that concept. And yeah, aside all of that stuff, it is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Uh, there's a moment where his wife leaves him for the millionth time and he gets, he gets a gun oh. and, and he's like, you know, his first thought is if she can't be with me, I'm going to kill her. You know, I'm going to kill her. And then of course he can't kill her. He just watches her leave. Um, but he thinks, you know what? You can leave me, but you're not leaving in that car. I'm going to kill the car. <laughs> so, so he, he shoots the car and he shoots all the tires out. It's just, it's an it's amazing moment. There's and it's full of stories like that. I hope he knew how um, affecting the book was because obviously for this podcast called Comics Books, I've asked a lot of comedians about their favorite books and 
I can't tell you how many times this comes up on a on a comedian's list. With this book, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it will mean a lot to a lot of comedians. Yeah, I'm sure. Because a lot of us comics as well, there's something in our past not as extreme as Richard Pryor's. Maybe some of us, I don't know. But I'm not, I don't want to cast aspersions on other comedians. But mm. for the vast majority of us, there's something lacking. <laughs> you know, missing some kind of validation from our youth, or even if it's just a perceived slight that we have, there's something unfulfilled, you know, as as young people. These are our superhero origin stories, you know. I've not I've not met a comedian who was like, yeah, and everything was just so great that I thought, let me make it better by being a famous comedian. I just never just never heard that that origin story, you know. But yeah, I thought I'd better have something relating to comedy. I think French Exit is a comedy, but I thought mm. something behind the the sort of dark underbelly of comedy might be good. It's also, you know, I worked in comedy for a long time, and it was brought up a lot, and it, and it was sort of other people's sort of comedy bible in a way. About. But you've not read it. No, so I bought it, uh, but I have not read it yet. When I tried to buy it in the bookshop, when I went to buy French Exit, and right. they still thought it was out of print. Yeah, it came back in print. I don't know how many copies they made. So that's probably the big question. Yeah. Um, but it was out of print for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I went. I ended up going the Amazon route, which is where they had it uh, with the foreword by Tignataro, who is one. Oh wow. Favorites. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mine is an old copy, so it doesn't have uh, Tig's intro, but that's cool. I'd like to read that. Uh, she's one of my favorite comedians, so I feel like as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh yeah, actually, I might like this. I don't. I haven't watched a lot of Richard Pryor of his comedy, um, so I feel like maybe that's a bit of an education. Yeah, I mean, well, that has to change because yeah, okay, he's, he's the greatest. There's there's literally no one better. Think of, your very, think of your very, very favorite comedian and cherish that thought and then understand that Richard Pryor shits all over whoever that person is. <laughs> I was, it seems like everything in your life really has come back down to a lot of words because you started with yeah. rap, didn't yeah. you? Yes, and, 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 and my book, it, despite what people might think when it comes out, is, is, is not about me. It's not about me at all. It's, it's a completely <laughs> imagined set of characters but the thing that i share with the um the lead character is he's he's obsessed with words like he's obsessed with them mm. and he he can't accept there's loads of things he he cannot accept like he he can't accept people not understanding irony and he can't he loves the fact that um people don't know what etymology means you know his peers don't know what that word means and it's 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 the word that describes the meaning of words. And he loves the irony of that. And the fact that there's a word that he knows that other people don't know, you know, he's that, <laughs> he's that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who ponders about the word wonder mm. and wonders if you can wonder and ponder. And then he'll, he'll chuckle to himself because as he's pondering and wondering, he'll be wandering around, but wondering with an A rather than an O, you know, he's that kind of kid. <laughs> so That stuff is all me. But outside of that, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 a totally imagined world. But the book is about words to some extent. And it's why I was reading Mark Forsyth's book on etymology, because uh, I wanted to write a comedy that was partly about words, the power of words, the strength of them, what you can use them for, how they can, you know, save your life and how they can destroy your life as well if they're, if they're misused. Um yeah. So a lot of it is is actually about words, and I, I say that explicitly in one of the early chapters, you know. Um, and it, it celebrates reading as well, which is a big mm. sort of deal for me. I'm not hiding the fact with this book that the 
the, the most of the heroes are black or, or mixed race uh, and i'm i'm not hiding the fact that i would love to encourage young black boys to read more <laughs> because uh we're the ones along with white working class boys who are just slipping through the gap and not reading enough you yeah. know don't seem to have the same problem with girls from all sorts of different black ba- uh, backgrounds black girls white girls asian girls they seem to be reading for longer mm. and we're we're losing black boys from all backgrounds and white working class boys so you know that is a world i come from i come from a a, a, a black and white working class background you know so <laughs> that's a, a world i want to celebrate and i don't want to be this anomaly because that's what i feel like i am you know i feel like still to this day i'm like one of one of the few people from that background that's doing what i'm doing so that needs to change and it needs to change first off with with inspiration and i hope that this book being a comedy being funny it will hide the the bigger things that i'm trying to do with it you know which is the boring stuff getting kids to read (laughs) books regularly why do you think those those boys aren't reading do you think it's a lack of representation or is that reading doesn't isn't i don't know cool or i think i think it's a bit of the latter i i'm i'm not a big believer in like uh you know i heard a a, a black female cricketer talking on the radio yesterday about how there's not enough black women playing cricket Mm. um and you know there's there needs to be so 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 many more so many more and i just thought well that's I totally agree, but at the same time, is that something of interest to young black women? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can talk about representation, but you know, I mean, my mum is a is a black woman was a, a a young a very young black woman at one point. At which stage she was obsessed with cricket, but she didn't want to play it. Mm. She just wanted to watch it, like a lot of Jamaicans. Jamaicans mm. love cricket, you know. Um, and I thought, actually, this is an interesting debate that needs to be had because the answer can't just be, well, they need to see more black women playing cricket. You know, it, uh, there's there's a level of interest on a cultural level that 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 might need addressing as well. Yeah. You know? Like I used to always think, I mean, I'm a football obsessive. And I used to think well, yeah, I never really see black goalkeepers. Mm. You know, you see a few more nowadays, but not many. Mm. Uh, and when I was a kid, none. But you always saw black strikers. You know, I'm a Crystal Palace fan. I grew up watching Ian Wright and Mark Bright up front for Palace. We half, 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 half our team was black, especially the attacking half. Mm. And when I thought about the culture that I was living in amongst other black working class boys, every black working class boy that I knew wanted to score goals. They didn't want to stand between the posts trying to save goals. <laughs> they wanted to score goals. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like you can talk about representation. You say, oh, football's racist because there's no black goalkeepers but hang on I I agree definitely there's I'm sure there is some of that sure there's something institutional systemic going on but also does does a black boy want to be a goalkeeper you know ask ask the black boy before saying this is what needs to change (laughs) you know so I just think it's an interesting argument not saying I have the answer yeah but to, to bring it back to books I'm just trying to make something that I think will be fun for a black working class boy to read yeah. Rather than hammering this thing, you've got to read, you should be doing this, you're slipping through the gap. I'm just doing something that I think would be fun for them. Well, and yeah. I'm at a stage in my career where I've spent 10 years plus in show business now. And I, I got my start working for CBBC, creating content for mm-hmm. young black boys, you know, 
and it's built a relationship with the actual people. So I'm always loath to get into these debates about representation, diversity yeah. and whatnot. I'm thinking, what are you doing on a grassroots level? Because I'm actually talking to the kids themselves. Mm. And they, they, I'm fortunate enough, even though I'm a crusty old man now, they still listen to me. <laughs> you know, they still listen to me. They're like, you're the guy who made Four O'Clock Club. You're the guy who did this mm. funny rap. You're the guy that did the tea rap. You're the, you're the guy, you know? And it gives me this little window of opportunity to go, yeah, I am the guy. And here's a, here's another thing I think is cool, like reading. <laughs> Check I think this out. Absolutely yeah. nailed it though, because I think you know, I think sometimes when I talk about books, even just from the way I sound, I just sound like, oh, I've learned how to read books and I really like it. And I don't, I don't always know if I know how to make it sound fun. You know, I can make it fun when I read to people. Of course. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know how to tell people you should like reading without maybe just sounding like yeah. someone who had a lot of opportunities and read totally. books. And there's no shame. There's no shame in that acknowledgement. In fact, I think it, it's it's a display of humility. I remember uh, I got a call from Mariella Frostrup, mm. her of the amazingly sexy voice, mm-hmm. um, which is always a nice call to get. But she <laughs> she called me a few years back, and she had she was like, oh, "Look, I've got this charity." And I'm trying, the, basically the idea is we're, we're battling sexism, but um, I'm not talking to girls, I'm talking to boys, uh, you know, teenage boys. And she's like, look, I'll be real with you. This is my, it's my heart, it's my passion. I love doing it. I really believe in it. But when I talk to them, they're not listening. Mm. And, and she asked me to come and talk on her behalf. And I was just like, yeah, cool. You know what, I'm down because... That just shows, it shows a humility. It shows that she's thinking beyond that. And this is, you know, this way predates any Black Lives Matter stuff and mm. white guilt and all of that stuff. You know, mm. she just, she just thought this is the right way of doing this. You know, this is, this is, a, this is going to be a more effective way of making an inroad into a group that I have nothing in common with, but I would like to reach. Um, and I respected that. Maybe we have some some sort of aim of a way forward, but I'd be really interested to know, you know, who buys your book and who reads your book. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with That's that. Interesting. Um, and I think you know my promotion of it is going to be a big. It's going to play a big part of that because I will yeah. be in control of that alongside Bloomsbury, so mm. that it doesn't become just a big hay festival uh, mm. celebration of white wealthiness. You know. Yeah. Super important. As much as I love hay, I love hay. Mm. You know, I really do. I've never been. But it's, I was gonna go it's, this year. <laughs> it's so cozy and white, mm. and, and and nice little astro turfs and and mocktails and and, and all of that. I, I just I just think the game needs shaking up, and uh, I I could be the man to do it. You know. I hope so. I think so. enjoying this but it is time for the mobster's lament mobster's lament is uh, by ray celestine i should say fantastic ray celestine probably my, one of my favorite uh thriller writers and to call him a thriller writer actually that doesn't give him enough credit he's not a thriller writer he's an incredible creator of worlds and and and, and drama and and his speciality is kind of slightly noirish but incredibly soulful recreations of 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 black culture of the past so the mobster's lament is actually part three of a, a series i haven't read the fourth one yet i don't know if it's even out yet but um yeah so i started with one that a lot of people know it's just the axe man's jazz mm. um 
And these books, they switch cities and decades uh, effortlessly. The research that this guy must have done as a British guy on these American cities uh, is absolutely phenomenal. So we, we jump from Chicago, New Orleans. I think Ashman's Jazz was New Orleans, then Chicago in the second one. Mobster's Lament, we're in New York. And it's uh, a good 35 years from the first book. And the books follow this young mixed-race private investigator who is up against all sorts. Um, her name's Ida. And uh, she's an in really incredible hero, I have to say. I can't wait for these books to be made into movies if, if they're decent movies. Hmm. Uh, and the backdrop is always whatever the black music is of that era, you know, um, and it's mainly jazz and blues. And her, there's, a, there's an awesome, brave reach in these books which is the, I mean, the pure fiction, right? Mm. Um, set against very real backdrops. But there's a huge reach in this book, in the, the whole series of these books, which is that Ida's best friend from childhood is Louis Armstrong. So oh. Louis Armstrong's like a, a peripheral <laughs> character in, in all three of the novels, um, which is an incredibly sort of ballsy thing to do, you know, to have a fictional world, fictional characters, and then one real very real person who's mm. one of the characters and it i have to say you know in in lesser hands that would it really wouldn't work man you'd find it either cringy or very kind of oh louis armstrong and now he's playing the trumpet you know it just doesn't do that he's just he's a really endearing engaging character in the book like i say he's peripheral but there is a lot of stuff about him and his friendship with ida and he pops up at really important times and and ray just does it effortlessly i mean it, or it feels effortless i'm sure it isn't mm. um why i chose the mobster's lament out of the three i'm not sure i think it was probably because i found it the most entertaining of the three the, the, the most accessible but i should stress to anyone who hasn't got into celestine's work you should start from the beginning mm. if you haven't read the axeman's jazz and uh the second one the name of which has gone right out of my brain but will come back to me um there's going to be a lot of stuff in the mobster's lament that doesn't hit home in the way that it should plus it's incredibly epic right so in in mobster's lament ida is a is an old lady and in the first one she's a sprightly sort of 21 22 year old so it is it is important to read the other two but the mobster's lament is it doubles also as a great gangster book. So if if you like gangster stuff, you know, old school mafia stuff, there's there's lots of that in there as well. Uh, and the mobster of the the titular mobster is one of those tormented souls who has done a lot of horrible stuff for a lot of horrible gangsters, but is also trying to protect his niece and is trying to think of a Carlito's way style exit from the game. Um, keeping his sanity and his niece intact. So you've got a sort of ticking clock element to this that the other two books don't have, which makes it really exciting. Mm. And then you've got Ida's journey coming to an end. And obviously, if you've read all three books, you've spent a lifetime with this uh, character. So there's that real emotional pull of her story as well. Plus Louis Armstrong, <laughs> which equals <laughs> a really sort of rip-roaring, entertaining uh, ride. I feel like you've really just sorted my dad's birthday present for me. That's a great series, those books. It really is. Just music um, and gangsters. He's yeah, music, gangsters. Louis? He's, yeah. America. It's, it's great. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the last one I think is, is, is Fitting, Stoner mm. by John Williams. It's a good one to end on because 
I, there's no book like this. Um, it ties in with all my other picks in that it says something profound about the human condition, but I've never read a book like this. So we started talking about Fox 8, which tricks you into thinking it's one thing and then actually next thing you know you're you're a mess Mm. you're a flood of tears and and snot this is very similar but over a much longer period in a much quieter way it's i mean on on the front cover you'll see when you see it in the shops it's uh this the sticker on the front says the best novel you've never read and i think it's, (laughs) it's a great way of describing it because nobody's heard of this book is is uh it was recommended to me by a friend of mine lives out in new jersey he's a big reader and i often get recommendations from him and we go back and forth and he said you gotta read this you gotta read this and i when he sent me the name of it i naturally assumed it was like a sort of william burroughs kind of (laughs) you know it's going to be this thing about some drug addled dude from the 60s or something like that and uh no stoner's just the man's surname the main character's surname and he is a college professor. He's also, strangely, gr- growing up on a, a, a farm, he's also a, a, a well-trained farmhand. It's, the reason I say there's never a book, I've, I've, I've never read a book like it before, is it, it creeps up on you bit by bit, and you don't know why you're reading it. it just like that setup, it's got the most boring setup you've heard. It's the... It's the the life of a man who's from a farm who becomes a, a teacher, basically. Yeah. So it sort of sets it up by saying, I'm going to tell you a really long story about a really uninteresting guy who nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sure enough, his life sort of muddles along. And yet, I don't think I've ever read a book that says more about what it is to be alive than Stoner and to think about what your life means. Because the lack of meaning of, in his life is the meaning, you know. Th- that's how deep this novel is. It's so important to to read this book. Like, I, I can't I can't stress it enough. Even though, as you start it, you'll be thinking, "What? I just I just have no interest in any of this." It's special. Uh, like Colin McCann said, it deserves the status of literary classic. It really should be up there. And I, I think it was Williams's lack of uh, engagement with it, having written it, his desire to move on to something different. He he didn't necessarily believe in it at the time. Mm. So therefore, it didn't really get promoted. It, it wasn't really that well known. And it's had, uh, I think it's vintage classics, brought it back out with Random House, uh, and it's had a sort of resurgence over the past 20 years. But, you know, I was listening to an interview with Philip Pullman and he was saying that uh, he writes his books with a pen, if you can believe that. Oh, my gosh. Um, he actually writes his books. Couldn't imagine. Uh, and let's all just have a moment of silence for whoever the fuck is, is uh, putting that into a print, <laughs> typing that. <laughs> right. um, oh, God. But the the reason he said, the reason he gave was that maybe everything's important, you know? He said, how often do we type type something on our, our computers and then go, that's bollocks, delete it and, 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 and move on, you know? Even within sentence, you, go, you put the structure of a sentence in one way and go, no, 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 delete, delete, delete. This is the structure of the sentence. Well, how do you know for sure that this structure is better than that structure? 
you might think you do based on narrative theory and everything you've learned from studying literature. But maybe the instinctive way that you did it before was right or better in some way or more indicative of what you were feeling at that time. So he just puts a line through it. And he said, he's, it's countless the amount of times he's come back and f looked at things and gone, oh, that's actually a great idea for a, a totally different story. Or I can slot that into this, you yeah. know, because he's got it. And he, he, he feels the passion in the handwriting. And I thought, that is fascinating. But also it, it just goes to show that, you know, maybe what you wrote, and in this case of John Williams, definitely what you wrote was better than what you thought it was <laughs> um and therefore stoner is a classic and an absolute must read wow i don't think i can say anything nicer than that that's really thought-provoking and i have to admit i have picked up that book numerous times in waterstones and put it down because it sounded quite dull yeah it sounds dull right it sounds drab <laughs> it does. And, and, and and the opening page like i say is almost an admission this book's mm. gonna be quite boring it's about a boring guy <laughs> and then you realize oh my god it's about me and everything changes wow thank you so much for talking to me today ben about all these lovely books i really feel like i've um got a whole new reading list good uh we're trying to shine a light on independent bookshops at the moment oh yeah do you have a local that you wanted to recommend yeah, I'll give you both my locals because I've just moved. I've just moved from East London to West London. So my old local was the secondhand bookshop on uh, on Church Street in South Newington, which mm -hmm. is called Church Street Bookshop originally. Uh, and, um, oh man, there's so many gems in there uh, for pennies. So, uh, you know, get in there and just stock up. And over here, uh, Queen's Park Books is a place that has been around since I mean I, I grew up not too far away um so I was going there as a child and um, I will be going back in there this week as a man uh, so making sure they've got my my books in there <laughs> you grew up in Wilsdon didn't you yeah yes so did I and um oh, really Queen's Park is now my local <laughs> as well okay so it probably already has a shout out um oh, yeah. I, I, you know I, I actually miss Kilburn bookshop I don't I'm sad that that went but um yeah you know any, anything that's within touching distance of, of Wilsdon we should definitely recommend I, I, I very rarely meet people from Wilsdon I know do you know what the reason I knew this is because very many many years ago when White Teeth came out my mum met your mum in the doctor's waiting room and right, your okay. mum was reading White Teeth, but I don't know if she was actually reading it. She was just sort of holding it open. She's probably just showing it off. Knowing my mum, she would have just been showing it off. And my mum said, oh, that's a very good book. I recommend it. And uh, your mum was, well, my daughter wrote it. My daughter wrote that. <laughs> She's got a shelf. She's got a shelf in her living room, which has White Teeth in like every language. That's you know so I mean? cute. Oh, well. Yeah. Might see a good bookshop then. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. All right, take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Comics Books. I hope you enjoyed it. In the show notes, you'll be able to find full listings of all the books we mentioned, as well as links to our featured independent bookshop. Have a great week, reading, laughing, and then reading some more.